Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know. But I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-on-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you could save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. What's up, everyone? It's Tuesday, November 22nd. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla and Mark Dent. And you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about the big business of holiday rom-coms. Around this time every year, streaming platforms and TV networks are flooded with them. And there's a reason for that. They're fast, they're cheap, and they yield great results. Juliet's going to break down that industry for us. But before that, here's what's going on in business and tech. More employees were reportedly laid off yesterday at Twitter, this time on the sales team. It's unclear how many people were let go, but before this even happened, several advertisers on the platform wrote that they were already having trouble reaching anyone on the sales and partnerships team. So a little more fuel to that dumpster fire. Domino's will soon have a fleet of more than 800 Chevy Bolt electric cars. That's going to make the chain the owner of America's largest EV pizza delivery fleet. Why didn't they go with Tesla? Well, the pizzas are already fire roasted at the restaurant, so they don't need a second charring on the road. Smart TD, one of America's largest rail unions with 36,000 members, rejected a proposed labor deal. That moves the industry closer to a national strike that experts say could have an impact of $2 billion per day in cargo shipments. TSMC's Morris Chang confirmed plans for a critical three nanometer advanced Arizona chip factory, but they did clarify that those U.S. chips will cost about 55% more than Taiwan's. And lastly, Bob Iger is coming back on as Disney CEO, replacing his predecessor, Bob Chapek. I guess you have to be a Bob to run Disney. (laughs) Iger was Disney's CEO from 2005 to 2020. And then he served as the company's executive chairman through 2021 before retiring. During that time, he led Disney through a series of successful acquisitions, including Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and 21st Century Fox. And for good measure, he also oversaw the launch of Disney+. His new deal has him back in the CEO chair for the next two years. And sticking on the entertainment front, let's talk holiday rom-coms. Juliet, it feels like the vast majority of new movies coming to streaming platforms this winter are rom-coms. Yes. Why do producers love this genre? (laughs) So you would be perhaps correct. According to Entertainment Weekly, there are 164 holiday films coming to streaming services this holiday season alone, and most of them are romantic comedies or romances. Hmm. There is one, however, about a killer Santa robot. So not all (laughs) rom-coms. Well, that could be a rom-com to some people. (laughs) I guess. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, though, they're easy to produce, they're cheap, and they consistently make people money. That Mm. is the draw. So if we look at the reigning champ of holiday movies, that would be the Hallmark Channel, which is owned by Crown Media Family Network. They have produced, according to Forbes, over 300 holiday movies since 2009. And this year alone, they have 40. So I looked at Lifetime, they have 20-something This Hallmark has the most, I want to say, of all the networks. Okay, 40 movies in one year for anyone is pretty nuts. 
Yeah. And basically, so the way Hallmark does it is they shoot year round, usually in Canada due to favorable tax credits. Every movie takes maybe two to three weeks to make and costs about $2 million. Sometimes that includes $50,000 in fake snow Hmm. if they're not shooting during the winter. The cast and crew, they generate about $1.2 to $1.5 million for the local economy. And then that glut of holiday movies attracts over 80 million viewers. And during that time period, Hallmark becomes the most watched cable channel among women 18 to 49 and women 25 to 54, which is a great demographic because women are often in charge of doing all the holiday shopping and making purchases for their household. Sure. Every season, it generates about $350 million or more in ad revenue, which is a third of the channel's annual ad revenue. So oh my gosh. big business with the holiday rom-coms here. Yeah, that's a very seasonal business. Mm-hmm. Wow. So- all cable channels. It's the most popular channel with women aged 18 to 49 and 25 to 54. Apparently. Wow. Okay. And the news here is that a new entrant is coming into the space in the holiday rom-com industry this year. Yes. This is how we all got interested in this is uh, QVC announced that they would be producing their first holiday movie. It is called Holly and the Hot Chocolate. And as you may have predicted, yes, it is about a big city gal. She is a (laughs) food critic And she gets stuck in a small town where she, of course, meets a humble, hunky auto mechanic because she's stuck there, of course, so she has to talk to a mechanic. And while she's there, she learns that the town is obsessed with its proprietary, I suppose, hot chocolate recipe. Everyone loves it. And then a QVC host, David Venable, who I guess hosts like this Kitchen Goods show, he is the hot chocolate vendor, so he has a cameo (laughs) in it. And then, of course, viewers can buy the hot chocolate recipe or mix that's like a tie-in with this New York City dessert shop called Serendipity. So you got the classic tried and true holiday movie formula. You got a cameo from a QVC host and you have a product people can buy. Interesting. So you have a channel that traditionally sells stuff using a holiday movie as almost like a sales tool to generate sales for products. Exactly. And they're not the only one kind of doing something in this vein. I saw Discovery had a couple coming out that utilized their Food Network hosts. Bobby Flay has a cameo as a food critic in one. There are a couple home improvement rom-coms that have some of their like home design renovation hosts in them. So (laughs) there's definitely a lot of cross promotion going on with these holiday movies. Interesting. Well, Mark, we had to bring you on the show because I know that you are probably the chief rom-com critic on this team. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I watch them all year round, not Christmas rom-coms all year round, but rom-coms. And during November and December, I will dabble. I will dabble with Hallmark, (laughs) with the sort of big budget rom-coms that used to come out and, and still do to some extent. And also with what I would call the prestige Christmas fair that we've seen a little bit more of over the last few years. (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe the prestige Christmas fair? I think that Netflix is certainly not doing this, but there are some production companies and some streamers that are, I think, trying to come up with rom-coms that either sort of reinvent the formula or Mm -hmm. have like actual good actors in them. One example would be Happiest Season, which is what I kind of recommend for anyone watching a Christmas rom-com. That came out uh, in 2020. It has Kristen Stewart in it. Hmm. It has uh, Mackenzie Davis in it, as well as Daniel Levy. Hmm. And it does not kind of turn out how you expect. But yeah, there are a lot of ways to have a Christmas movie. Sometimes they even make them bittersweet, which I I do enjoy as a change of pace. Hmm. 
And what's the allure of like holiday rom-coms for you? I think it's is it like a comfort thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that it's it's really a comfort level because it, at the holidays from, you know, Thanksgiving to Christmas, I want to just kind of experience all the feels, you know, and these movies that come out, they just sort of remind me of Christmases that there used to be, which I think is also why they're a good business because you can just keep watching them, right? Like Elf. I may not watch that every year, but I do watch it a lot. Home Alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was looking at the highest grossing Christmas films and Home Alone is number two and it grossed nearly half a billion dollars at the box office. But that doesn't include how much that it's still probably making in residuals by being on mm-hmm. like TBS mm-hmm. literally like five times a week for these next few weeks. Mm-hmm. So that sort of business of nostalgia and comfort is very strong. And, and then I think finally, one reason why Hallmark has been so successful and, and Lifetime to a lesser extent is because they bring in these sort of like recycled stars who you forgot Mm. about. Mm -hmm. And then you see them on like December 12th or something like that when you're in the mood for Christmas and you're like, oh yeah, Lacey Chabert, (laughs) you know, the person who wanted to make Fetch happen on Mean Girls is now on my TV again. Hmm. That's a really interesting point you made about, you know, bigger name actors signing on to holiday movies. I mean, obviously, you know, you have the elves and the Grinches of the world, but those rom-coms are usually kind of lower budget lifts sort of greener actors in there. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing an expansion into something different entirely. You don't really remember any of these Hallmark movies, by the way. You just sort of see them and (laughs) you might rewatch them without even realizing it. But one that does stick in my mind that came out a few years ago had this actor named Brandon Ruth in it, who uh, he played like Superman in 2006 and was in like Scott Pilgrim versus the world and then just didn't quite like make it as many would have forecasted. And then all of a sudden he's in this Hallmark movie and you're like, oh, like where have I seen that guy before? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. I actually just watched a Thanksgiving horror movie last night called Black Friday Hmm. and it had Bruce Campbell in it who, of course, was in Evil Dead, Briscoe County Jr., Devin Sawa, who was in Final Destination. I was like, oh, hey, look at these guys. Hmm. I love Bruce Campbell, so. Do you get into rom-coms during the holidays, Julia? I, as will probably not surprise you, tend to have a holiday horror movie night where uh-huh. I invite people over. <laughs> horror movies and rom-coms, to a certain extent, definitely have some similarities with the cookie-cutter formula and, like, not the A-list actors tend to have a lower budget. Mm -hmm. People who are fans of them will literally watch any of them. Yeah, I was just going to say that given, like, the popularity of horror and given the popularity of these Christmas rom-coms that you just, you know, manufacture, you know, off the assembly line, it's surprising to me that there aren't more of these hybrid horror, Christmas, and rom-com altogether. Like you were saying, Juliet, like they're fun to watch and Mm -hmm. there would absolutely be an audience for it. Yeah, my favorite movie growing up, I know it's basic, but I really loved The Nightmare Before Christmas. And part Mm -hmm. of the reason was that I I loved Halloween. I also really liked Christmas. It was just like a weird holiday mashup. Mm -hmm. And I, I hadn't remembered seeing anything else like that as a kid, but Maybe I just wasn't exposed to the good stuff. I don't know that there was much like that for children at that point in time. Gremlins, you could watch Gremlins. That's That's technically a a holiday movie. That's kind of like a forgotten (laughs) one. All right, last question. Where do we fall in the whole Die Hard as a Christmas movie debate? Hmm. I say it's a Christmas movie. It maybe does not push the plot forward, but it is still an integral part of the plot. Hmm. I'm going to go with Die Hard is a Christmas movie for the same reason. It takes place around Christmas. They would not be having a party if it weren't Christmas, etc. I also feel the same way about Batman Returns. (laughs) It takes place at Christmas. It's definitely a Christmas movie. It may be my favorite Christmas movie. I don't know, but I'm counting it. And I will say one thing that I have noticed while reading the synopsis of like 146 holiday movies is that 
you know, we are getting a little more diversity. I saw some Hanukkah rom-coms. I saw some Kwanzaa rom-coms. It's not just the same thing over and over again with just Christmas being the centerpiece. And as you mentioned, uh, Happiest Season is a queer romance between two women. And I saw a lot more of those, like LGBTQ Hmm. rom-coms this year in this roster. So we are at the very least diversifying a little bit, even if it is still the small town guy and, and the big city guy as opposed to a more heteronormative situation. Sure. All right, that's going to do it for us today, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage for you in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. And if you've got a long drive tomorrow for the holidays, or if you just want an excuse to get away from your annoying uncle for a bit, we've got a special episode for you tomorrow. It's about the dark side of Black Friday sales and why people stampede each other to death to get $200 off of a flat screen TV. Great conversation fodder for Thanksgiving dinner. So look out for it in your podcast feeds tomorrow. Hope you have a terrific Tuesday. We'll catch you on the other side.